It's the Kim Munson Show, analyzing the most important stories. That seems to me like government is establishing a religion. The latest in politics and world affairs. If you give people rights, women's rights, gay rights, whatever, there can't be equal rights if there's special rights. Today's current opinions and ideas. Surveys show that that people still really prefer freedom versus force. Is it freedom or is it force? Let's have a conversation. Indeed. Let's have a conversation and welcome to the Kim Munson Show. Thank you so much for joining us. You're each treasured, you're valued, you have purpose. Today, strive for excellence. Take care of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your body. My friends, we were made for this moment. And thank you to the team that I work with. That's producer Steve, producer Luke, Zach, Patty, Keith, Charlie, Echo, all the people here at Crawford Broadcasting. Happy Tuesday to you, producer Steve. Tuesday, April 11th, it is. Unbelievable. Time marches on, my dad always said, and time waits on no one, and he's absolutely correct. Uh, so check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly email newsletter. You'll get first look at our upcoming guests, as well as our most recent essays and our most recent podcasts. And... Um, you can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. And thank you to all of you who support us. We are an independent voice on an independent station searching for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you should not have to force people to do it. And um, lots going on out there in the world today. Uh, Producer Steve, we're going to talk about some of these things. But first thing, I wanted to go to our quote for today. And Many of you probably know these authors. Sometimes I come across people that I'm not familiar with. I realize I wish that I would have studied literature more when I was in school. I didn't. So many of you probably are familiar with this particular um, author. I'm not. Mary Flannery O'Connor. Uh, do you Are you familiar with her, Steve? No. I mean, that, quite frankly... When I looked at the quote of the day, it was the first time I had seen that name. Okay. So Mary Flannery O'Connor was an American novelist. And this is, um, let's see, this is from Wiki, uh, Wikipedia, short story writer and essayist. She wrote two novels and 31 short stories, as well as a number of reviews and commentaries. So she was a Southern writer who often wrote in the sardonic Southern Gothic style and relied heavily on regional settings and grotesque characters, often in violent situations. That may be why I didn't read her, because I really don't like to read those kinds of books, so that may be it. (laughs) But she was born in 1925 and died in 1964. But the quote I thought was powerful, and actually the quote at the end of the show is really powerful as well, as I was going through some of these quotes that she had. I mean, she seems like she was a rather complex character. But uh, I chose this because we're going to be talking with... um, Colonel Bill Rutledge, retired United States Air Force, as our featured guest in the second hour regarding uh, his experience at a Poudre Valley School Board uh, School District Board meeting. Okay, uh, you, you are a master at this. You you selected a quote of the day, and mm, eight eight out of ten times, well, that's four out of five times. Uh, I can I see where you're going, and then there's one like this, Rob. I'm not quite sure. So enlighten myself and some of our listeners. Okay, Uh, so we're going to be talking about education. And my grandmother had an eighth grade grade education. And in the old days, you'd think, oh, well, she was was dumb or she didn't have a great education. She actually was more educated than many people that I run into. Uh, My father went to a one-room school, uh, maybe one or two-room schoolhouse as a kid. Actually rode a horse with his... his, um, 
his sister. And so this was regarding a one room. So I thought I just wanted to get some quotes on one room schoolhouses. And I thought this was just totally appropriate for education today. So she had observed that the more education they got, the less they could do. Their father had gone to a one-room schoolhouse through the eighth grade, and he could do anything. And uh, I thought that was very appropriate for education because same thing with my father. He can. He was an inventor. Um, just uh, he read Shakespeare from a little one-room schoolhouse. And did end up, you know, in a public education. A great liberal classical liberal public education but again she'd observed that the more education they got the less they could do their father had gone into a one room, or had gone to a one room schoolhouse through the 8th grade and he could do anything well didn't you somewhere in the past it was it a syllabus or something from that 8th grade yeah, schoolhouse yeah. you read from that and i was like that is that is heavy duty stuff i that that kind of just grabs you and you realize I compare my own education <laughs> to that syllabus and it's like, wow, did I really learn much of anything at all? Okay. And so, and actually I was with somebody just recently <clears throat> and, and, and interestingly enough, Snopes, remember Snopes when uh, uh, they came out and they were fact checkers and, and yeah. Well, yeah, now we've figured out that it was just... That didn't last long. Yeah. Anyway, Snopes had uh, kind of tried to poo-poo it. Uh, but anyway, go to it. It's the 1895 eighth grade final exam from uh, Salina, Kansas. And um, you can just take a quick look at it. And I've got it coming up here. And uh, just these are some things. Uh, we'll just run through a couple of things. Grammar. It said one hour. Give nine rules for the use of capital letters. Name the parts of speech and define those that have no modifications. Define verse, stanza, and paragraph. What are the principal parts of a verb? Give principal parts of do, lie, lay, and run. Define case. Illustrate each case. What is punctuation? Give rules for principal marks of punctuation. Write a composition of about 150 words and show therein that you understand the practical use of the rules of grammar. <laughs> okay, I rest my case. Okay. But you... Uh, you know, you just mentioned Snopes. Snopes did one good thing. It it bore out or it indicated back to us our desperation to get to truth. And we all thought truth. this was it. And then we realized we were being manipulated. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, let me just run through another one here. Uh, and just think if, if, in fact, our school boards and we're trying to educate our kids so that they could answer these questions instead of telling them that they are are part of a group and that the group is either oppressed or the group is uh, the oppressor. Um, or let's see. What, oh, oh, that you're not a boy, you're not a girl. Uh, the social emotional learning. I was talking with a young mom the other day. They're starting this in preschool. And where did it ever come that school was supposed to teach you about your feelings and I mean, it, it, we're in we're in a world of hurt, but let's just uh, let's just give this one. How about this? U.S. history, forty five minutes. Give the epics into which U.S. history is divided. Give an account of the discovery of America by Columbus. Relate the causes and results of the Revolutionary War. Show the territorial growth of the United States. Tell what you can of the history of Kansas. Describe three of the most prominent battles of the rebellion. Who are the following? Morris, Whitney, Fulton, Bell, Lincoln, Penn, and Howe. Name events connected with the following dates. 1607, 1620, 1800, 1849, and 1865. What do you think, Steve? Like I said, I rest my case. <laughs> 
So that quote is so appropriate. She'd observed that the more education they got, the less they could do. Their father had gone into a one-room schoolhouse through the, uh, gone to a one-room schoolhouse through the eighth grade, and he could do anything. So that is our quote for today. First thing I think let's talk about. You have been just so interested in the stock price of Anheuser-Busch. So tell me where that's at. <laughs> well, let's see. April 6th, it closed at 66.34 a share. Uh, last night, Yesterday, it closed at 64.96 a share. That's a difference of $1.38, which does not sound like much. But when you, you, know, you figure that the these big companies that are trading hundreds of thousands of shares a day, that's a big deal. Well, I, I've been watching this. I saw something yesterday regarding their marketing person, who is, it appears that she is a woke woman, and that uh, she wanted to, to change the image of Bud Light from the frat boy um, image that she she thinks that it has. And so hence this whole thing with this transgender uh, so this man that dresses up as a woman, maybe we should just explain that man that dresses up as a woman, um, uh, sending him a beer can with his image on it. And of course, Hollywood is all over this guy. And so the next thing you have is you've got Kid Rock and there's a video of him, <laughs> him with um, his firearm blasting, you know, the boxes of Bud Light. And of course, that's making its way on the internet as well and uh, you then uh, uh, during the pre-call said that there was an article that said that right wing you know right wing people are you know all up in arms on that something along that line right steve well okay i'm I'm following the stock price and and this is just me talking here i desperately want their stock to take a dive because (laughs) the same way coca-cola took a dive uh stock price took a dive back in 2020 right when Black Lives Matter was really becoming very evident. And, you know, because Coke proudly stood up and says, yes, we support Black Lives Matter. And in, almost immediately in the month of July, you can look it up, you'll see their stock price take an incredible dive. And it's only now getting back to where it was before that time. So, yeah, I'm almost wanting the same for, for Anheuser-Busch. Why? Because I am really fed up with corporate America trying to do this kind of stuff to the rest of the American you know, public. Well, and so I, I want to address this a bit more uh, because it's not it's not just I, I why why is there such an outrage on this? And as the I mean, five years ago, would you have ever dreamed that we would have drag queen story hours and the, which is grown men dressing up like women dancing provocatively in front of children i mean did you ever dream that that would happen did you ever dream for example that um erin um, lee up in northern colorado that her daughter is invited to after school art class and then it actually is not art class but in fact it is a transgender indoctrination at at a time when kids are super impressionable um and would you ever dream that we would have boys that would be competing in girls sports and boys in girls dressing rooms so i think that we need to make sure that as we're outraged about this that we need to explain why because the the foundations of nature's law is under attack right now 
man, woman, boy, girl, the found. And so it's not just, you know, shooting up Bud Light. That's not really what it is. And we need to be careful and explain to this that it's because we care about children. We have a duty, a duty to um, take care of our children and when if we don't stand against this agenda it's a very loud agenda it's a very small number of people but it's very loud but we have to explain why because what happens is is they're coming around saying you're not compassionate towards a transgender child and that's not it at all it is it is this assault upon the foundation of nature and nature's law and if we don't have that foundation there we stand on nothing everything is is up for grabs which is kind of where we are right now steve but we need to make make it clear that it's not just oh we just we're just a little mad about this this is because we have to protect our children and i i think that we have to 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 have that serious conversation with people well you know, kudos to you. You're absolutely right because obviously the the Kid Rock shooting up the cases of uh, of Bud Light, yeah, it's knee jerk kind of stuff because it doesn't go to the root of the problem and what you just said it is. And it's like not only are they out there, you know, all of a sudden finding all these transgender kids, they're manufacturing the transgender kids in a way by introducing this confusion at, at such an early age. But there's one other person, you know, one other entity that we've been following, and that's, you know, and again, talk about kids, and that's Disney. Over a one-year period, their stock has gone from $130 down to $100 a share, but it's also down from one eighty, an all-time high of 183 in February of 2021. So the question is, are the consumers having an impact are, you know, when they vote with their dollars? I think so, don't you? I'm I hoping really so. I'm hoping yeah. so. That's why I'm I'm so locked into the uh, Anheuser Busch stock price. And and the one thing I I didn't share, let me get it up back up here. What you you what have you gone out and shorted Anheuser Busch? Is that the deal? So no, that's why. Let's see. <laughs> uh, underneath the, this quotation re- regarding you know the the different views that you can look at a stock price. There's a question as it says. Question is asked: Is Anheuser Busch a uh, buy or a sell, or is it a buy, sell, or hold? You're familiar with those terms. And the response is, considering the 90-day <laughs> investment horizon and comp, uh, complete risk avoidance on your part, our recommendation regarding Anheuser-Busch is a strong sell. So somebody's, somebody's looking down the road. Somebody sees something coming. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh... And I'm sure that there are those that are, you know, probably day traders that are, are are playing on this. It'll be interesting to watch, but I think it's important that we make sure that we get our um, our brain around what this real issue is, and uh, and uh, and so it's it's not compassion. It is regarding or not being compassionate or being compassionate to transgender children. And you just said something so important, Steve. 
is they are manufacturing this. They are preying upon young young children. They're preying upon kids trying to figure out who they are. They're preying upon that. They're manufacturing this. And the problem with it is, is uh, and I told somebody just recently, well, you know what? Uh, I, I'll, let me tell you this story when we come back here in just a second uh, because uh, it's kind of a funny story. But we get to have these conversations, and these are important conversations uh, that we have, and we get to do that because of great sponsors. And Roger Mangan has been a State Farm agent for 47 years, and he served his customers and provided for his family and given back to the communities of Centennial, Littleton, Highlands Ranch, Inglewood, and Greenwood Village, as well as Castle Rock. He's a great sponsor of the show. For your uh, help with your insurance needs, call Roger Mangan at 303-795-8855. That's 303-795-8855. Like a good neighbor, Roger Mangan Insurance is there. Rosie's doing it. So is Yvonne. Same with Lori. Michelle's been at it since February of last year. Jody started the year before that. And guess what? They're all saving by doing so. What's that? Oh, the doing part? They're using the Drive Safe and Save app from State Farm. Then they're saving up to 30% and more on their auto insurance. How about you? Are you ready to get at it and save? Call Roger Mangan State Farm Insurance at 303-795-8855. Don't delay. Call Roger Mangan State Farm Insurance at 303-795-8855 today. It's Colorado. We want warm homes in the winter and cool, comfortable homes in the summer. Johnny Stubb Services is the heating and air conditioning company to call to ensure that your heating and cooling systems run efficiently and last for years. Johnny Stubb Services team of experts provide proper guidance to help you make informed decisions about your heating and cooling needs. Johnny Stubb Services is prompt, reliable, and stands behind their work with a satisfaction guarantee. Kim Munson highly recommends Johnny Stubb Services for all your heating and cooling needs. Stay up to date on issues in public health and science by signing up and reading Dr. James Lyons Weiler's latest articles at Popular Rationalism on Substack. Find more information about Popular Rationalism at KimMunson.com. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly email newsletter. And you can email me at Kim at Kim Munson dot com as well. Thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do it. I did want to mention uh, our new sponsor, Johnny Stubbs uh, Heating and Air Conditioning Services. Uh, for the first 50 people that um, call for their uh, air conditioner check, and that number is 720-782-2888. That's a special number for us. If you happen to not use that number, just call in. Just say that you heard about them on the Kim Munson Show. But they've got a really great welcome little bag that I have, and there's a great travel coffee mug in there. So I would highly recommend get it, get get on get on it. Be early and get your air conditioner checked because it's going to be I think 80 degrees this week, Steve. Yeah, I think they said 82 today. I, I think I might have to do that. I think that would be a good idea. I'm going to do that as well. So, uh, yes. So, again, uh, that is uh, Johnny Stubbs uh, Heating and Air Conditioning Services. And, of course, you can find that information on the website as well, on my website. Um, Steve, I just – kids go through and they do goofy things. And when I was in high school, there was a really popular girl 
that she, um, for some reason, she wore bow ties all the time. And I just thought that was so interesting. And so I was, so I started to wear bow ties as well. Now, I didn't never question my sexuality or anything like that, but I started to wear bow ties. And so for my senior pictures, I told my mom I wanted to uh, have have my senior pictures taken with a bow tie, me wearing a bow tie. She said, absolutely not. And we had this battle. She was right. I didn't uh, take my senior pictures with a bow tie. Could you imagine all these years later having my photo in the in the and, you know, the yearbook wearing a bow tie? And my point is this, is kids do goofy things. And to prey upon that and to manufacture this whole transgender thing is just wrong. Is there a connection or does that make any sense to you? I, I'm no. sitting, I, I had to turn off my mic because I was laughing. Uh, all, <laughs> when you talk about all these years later, all these years. Oh, oh, oh. but a boom. You would jump on that, wouldn't you? So that's why I, I want to just talk about why it is so important regarding the Center for American Values. And it's located down in Pueblo. I've been down there several times. Um, but one of the things is, is they have these portraits of valor. And with all the work that I do with veterans, it just takes my breath away. They have these portraits of 160 recipients of the Medal of Honor and then quotes about what each of them say. They actually have a fabulous book as well. Uh, I've got it right here. It's called Medal of Honor Quotes, Inspiration from America's Military Heroes. I would highly recommend that you get that so that you have it in your Freedom Library. But what the Center for American Values is focused on helping to to raise our kids and, and our leaders so that we understand these values of, of uh, honor and and integrity and in patriotism and when we're talking about the eighth grade education or exam from saline county kansas that was another thing that was taught was these important values and we wonder why our country is where we are it's because we have let uh we have let this continue continual chipping away of our values occur and so we must reclaim that, and we must reclaim it now, Steve. It is now, and it's now, or almost never. I think it's so important, Steve. I, you know, I, I can only say that I agree. I'm in total agreement because uh, you know me. I get, I come to this this position, uh, get behind this microphone. There's sometimes where I really don't have much. Uh, Let's just say I'm not very enthusiastic about the way things are. And that is why these historical quotes that I do, John Paul Jones yesterday, uh, we mentioned, he says, I have not yet begun to fight. And then you mentioned, uh, and I think it was um, the the um, commander was McAuliffe at the Battle of the Bulge when the Germans come in and they basically have them surrounded and they ask for his the surrender of the Americans. And uh, he responds nuts. And so... We are at a time now that when I say we are born for this moment, it is our time, Steve. And so that is 
that is why we do this show to help you get your brain around these issues. This whole transgender issue is so important that when we're talking to people say it's not okay that grown men dress up like women and dance provocatively in front of children. That is not okay. It is not okay that our kids are not learning how to read and write and do arithmetic, but yet there's this whole under social emotional learning or diversity, equity, inclusion, or environment, uh, social governance, all of the, these acronyms. And as people, as light is shed on each one of these, they just change, they just change the name. So that's why we have to look at the foundational values on that. Uh, another thing is, is then Steve, we see then what happens when everything breaks down. And I think that you had something that you'd seen regarding um, uh, San Francisco. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Uh, off the Fox News website, Whole Foods in San Francisco closing one year after opening due to safety concerns. You know, and they're not talking about all their locations. One in particular, it's a particular street location. But number one, foot traffic has dropped off so drastically. There are basically there's no customers. And theft and crime. The people who are walking in the front door are basically the help, helping themselves and walking out. My question is: is we this is San Francisco has become kind of like the premier model of this blue mecca, and we all know it. And yet, it continues to go on and on. It seems like lawmakers, uh, you know, law enforcement, and politicians are absolutely you know impotent to keep to do anything about it why would you let this erosion of such an important facet of you know of of urban life just go by the wayside the way this is doing yeah it's uh it's really a shame and but denver's not that far behind i had to actually go down to the outskirts of denver yesterday and um i just remember how i used to love to go to downtown i don't so much anymore i did want to mention the bill of the day house bill 23 1259 the open meetings law executive session violations and it does look kind of like a eyes glazing over thing and Unfortunately, uh, there's a Republican who has his name on it, Gabe Evans. Uh, he, he's a new legislator. And then Representative uh, Lindsey Daughtery, uh, who is a Democrat. Uh, and I think that may, what happened, may have happened is he got his name on this bill and then uh, things, the way he understood it and the way the bill actually is um, is going through the legislature, I think, are two different things. And I think he's, from what I can see from this uh, page two complete Colorado article, I think that he's a little frustrated with that. But ultimately, it looks like it is going to have less transparency for these op- um, for these executive sessions. And I don't think that's a good idea. We need more transparency instead of less transparency. And so I think that there will be those that will be uh, testifying against that. But we need to make sure that we are moving and moving uh, towards more transparency of government instead of less. Because um, last night we had the, the um, Colorado Union of Taxpayers meeting. And we were commenting that we're at uh, over 608 bills. And one of our other members, Russ, said, well, do you think they're going to get to 1,000? I'm like, I, I I, tell you, it's it's exhausting to go through all of this legislation. And I don't think a lot of these people understand the big picture. I don't think a lot of these legislators understand the big picture. I think sometimes they want to get their, their names on a bill. They want to pass a bill so they can say that they're doing something. And so one of our other members, Wendy, said, well, 
um, boy, four weeks and about four weeks and the legislation or legislature will uh, uh, be finished and no more damage. I said, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> they now have all these bureaucracies that are unaccountable to the people and they have funded these bureaucracies. And so we think the danger's over, but it's not. Uh, but we, we really need to continue to, to push, uh, for more transparency. And so, um, I think I'll reach out to Gabe and have a conversation with him on this because I am concerned about this particular, uh, particular uh, bill of the day, Steve. Well, <clears throat> I sound like a broken record and I apologize for that, but my, uh, level of understanding about how the system works it's becoming more and more heightened and these poor people and the democrat or republic who attach their names to these things and call themselves the sponsors of it you know where where is the actual legislation coming from and it's it unfortunately it's it is special interests it is and uh that that's not a good thing yeah, so what I, the strategy I'm seeing is the special interests, they write these things up, so like Planned Parenthoods all over these abortion bills. And then they find legislators to, to run these things, and then they influence them as well. Uh, I, a legislator had said that regarding the, the gun bills, as they were debating the gun bills, they'd go out, to, the legislators would go out, uh, out of the, uh, the well, out of the, um, when they're in session, go out into the hallway, and there's Bloomberg's, you know, um, lobbyists that are pushing these bills. And so this is not how this was ever supposed to be, Steve. We're supposed to have representative government. Yeah. And so it was never supposed to be like this. That is the first casualty of this representative government. Right, right. And uh, so uh, I did want to mention another sponsor, and that's Hooters Restaurants. Uh, they have five locations. That's Loveland, Aurora, Lone Tree, Westminster, and Colorado Springs. Tomorrow's Wednesday, so that means it's Wings Day. You buy 20 wings, you get an additional 10 for free, and that's for to-go or to dine-in. They've got great specials for lunch and happy hour Monday through Friday. Uh, we're getting into starting into the hockey playoffs, and so Hooters Restaurants is a great place to get together with friends to watch the games. And how they became sponsors of an and for, um, business friends of mine, it's an, a very important story about freedom and free markets and capitalism. And I would recommend that you go to my website and check that out And uh, because it's it's so important, particularly where we are today. And another great sponsor of the show is Karen Levine. She is a, a great realtor and has been a sponsor of both the Kim Munson Show and America's Veteran Stories for many years. Homeownership, a place to call your own, has created wealth for Coloradans throughout the years. Award-winning realtor Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance understands the importance of homeownership. Karen Levine works tirelessly at the local, county, state, and national levels to protect your property rights. With nearly 30 years' experience as a Colorado realtor, Karen Levine will help you navigate the metro real estate market, whether you're buying your home, selling your home, considering a new build, or exploring investment properties. Call Karen at 303-877-7516. That's 303-877-7516 for answers to all your real estate needs. Pain can be exhausting and frustrating, and Kim was recently experiencing hip pain from life's wear and tear. Dr. Craig Stimson with Advantage Wellness Center was able to help. For over 35 years, Dr. Craig Stimson has been helping individuals and their entire families with non-surgical and drugless treatments to address sports injuries, back and neck pain, headaches, joint pain, and auto accident injuries. Call Dr. Craig at 303-691-1771 today for your appointment. 
Dr. Craig Stimson, he can help you too. That number is 303-691-1771. You'd like to get in touch with one of the sponsors of The Kim Munson Show, but you can't remember their phone contact or website information. Find a full list of advertising partners on Kim's website, kimmunson.com. That's Kim, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly email newsletter, and you can email me at Kim at Kim com as well. Thank you to all of you who support us. We are an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do it. Um, wanted to just continue on here. Uh, and this, uh, I think this is very interesting. This is from the Denver Gazette. It said that the Denver School Board sh- uh, shuts us out. It says, just when you thought Denver's hapless, rudderless, and feckless school board had run out of ways to display its ineptitude, it found another. It broke the law. It says, as reported by the Gazette last week, the Denver Public Schools Board made a key policy decision to return police to Denver schools during a closed-door session that shut out the press and the public. The five-hour-long marathon meeting was held a day after a March 22nd shooting at Denver East High School that seriously wounded two school administrators. And it says it's a clear-cut violation of the open meetings law, said Steve Sandsberg, a First Amendment attorney in Denver and president of the Colorado Freedom of Information Coalition. And so, again, my friends, uh, we are realizing that that's why this uh, particular uh, bill of the day over here regarding uh, making these uh, open meetings less transparent is not a good idea. We want to make sure that we, the public, have the opportunity to see what's going on. I'm really pleased to have on the line with me Greg Walcher. He is an expert in natural resources. He's written a very important book, Smoking Them Out, The Theft of the Environment and How to Take It Back. Greg Walcher, welcome to the show. Good morning. Uh wanted to talk with you about waters of the U.S., and we've talked about it before, Greg, but under the Obama administration, there was um, EPA rules that basically got to a point where it was going to control the water that's coming off your lawn into the gutter under the waters of the U.S. Trump rolled that back, but Biden, uh, it looks like, is uh, re-implementing them, and it, it looks like the rules have been finalized. Is that correct? Well, finalized is a, uh, I, th- I don't think I'd put it that way because it's going to get overturned by the courts once again. Um, and the history of it is actually it's a little more complicated than just to say Obama put it out and Trump withdrew it. In fact, the, the what happened when Obama put out the rule was that half of the states in America filed suit against it because it's a huge overreach uh, by the EPA asserting authority that Congress has never given them. And so uh, half of the states filed suit, and and it was set aside by the federal courts, which uh, which blocked the implementation of it. So when Trump came into office, he, they withdrew a rule that had already been put on hold by the courts anyway. Uh, and what okay. what Trump did then was simply to uh, to put back in place the interpretation that had always been used under the Clean Water Act. A bunch okay. of states filed suit against that, too, and the federal court put that on hold as well. So the whole thing is, is quite complicated. And then along comes a new administration under Biden, uh, and they simply put back out the Obama 
rule, uh, and and states have already filed suit against that. A federal court has already blocked its implementation in the two states uh, that that got to court first, and both houses of Congress have already passed a uh, law that that would have overturned the EPA rule. Biden vetoed it, um, but in fact, it's going to get put aside anyway. The EPA just keeps trying. It's, it's like no matter how many times the court tells them you don't have this authority, they're going to keep pushing it until the Supreme Court rules on it once again, which they will do at some point. What I've seen, though, with strategy with kind of these radical activist things is they keep coming back, keep coming back, keep uh, coming back until their agenda is, uh, you know, makes it through court or they get the ruling. I mean, they just keep coming back. And and I mean, I, I, it's really frustrating that they do that, Greg. I, I just I mean, shouldn't it be final? <laughs> it's beyond frustrating. It's it's outrageous. Uh, that they just continue to assert an authority that Congress has never given them. When the Clean Water Act was passed, it authorized the EPA to regulate, uh, for water quality purposes, navigable waters of the United States. So the, the law does not say waters of the United States. That's the acronym WOTUS that the government continues to use. But it isn't really what the law says. What the law says is navigable waters of the United States. The, that phrase is used... Uh, something like 27 times in the Clean Water Act, and every single time it has the word navigable in front of it. And and it's mentioned in the definition section, too. The law clearly says uh, that, that the EPA has authority to regulate navigable waters because those are interstate uh, commerce waters, which Congress clearly has authority over under the Constitution. But under the constitutions of every state and a massive body of federal law, intrastate and inland waters belong to the states, not to the federal government. So for the EPA to continue to assert that it has authority to regulate every puddle in, in America is, is beyond outrageous. It's an authority that they do not have and that Congress has never given them. So, Greg, the question is, why? Why do they want the, to do this outrageous overreach? Well, because they understand the concept that, that uh, Colorado's famous... Congressman Wayne Aspinall articulated 50 years ago, which is in the West, when you touch water, you touch everything. Every single aspect of human life uh, comes back to water, especially in the arid West. And if you can regulate and control water, you can control everything. So it's it's about control. And and we see this, so they're trying to control water, <clears throat> trying to cr- control uh, energy sources, uh, it looks like they're uh, control over food. It's about control, which control is the opposite word of freedom. EPA continues to say it's about protection, of course. And this is the reason that it seems complicated to some people is because most people want high quality water. And so most people think that water ought to be protected, protected from what and against what and for what is maybe a debatable point. But the idea that somebody ought to be protecting water against pollution sort of makes sense to a lot of people. And so when they couch it in those terms, people say, well, I guess that's what the EPA is for, is to protect the quality of water because we all want clean air and clean water and so on. And so it's it's complicated because they continue to, to couch it in those terms. And you'll see in all of the press releases coming out of the EPA and all of the other materials on it, uh, and, and the White House, in fact, in vetoing 
the act of Congress that overturned this, the president said uh, said exactly that, that it's, it's absolutely vital that we protect the waters of this country. And so, it, but as you say, it isn't about protection. It, the waters are not in, in danger. They're all regulated and controlled by the states also. It's against a law to pollute water in Colorado and every other state at the state level, too. So, and you know, it's not clear what they want to protect it from and what they want to protect it for. What it's really about is, as you said, it's about control. And so how do we talk to, because the, when, when you couch it as we want to make sure that we have clean air, clean water, the implication is, is that if we don't do this, that we'll have dirty air or dirty water. But yet, if you unleash creativity and in the innovation of the human mind, we can address any of the challenges that we have. And so again, that's over on the freedom side. Uh, but it's really is about control. And, uh, we, I mean, I think that I've, I've seen that I don't, I don't think, I don't really see that the Biden administration really cares about everyday people when we look at their policies regarding, um, this government induced inflation and a whole bunch of different things. So how do we have a conversation with that busy person that doesn't understand that this is about control, but they, they are buying the line that Biden is selling that this is about protection of water so that we have clean water? How, what kind of a conversation would you have with that person, Greg? Well, first of all, I wouldn't, I would not begin with the assumption that people are buying it. I think people are very upset about this all over the West, wherever I go. People seem to understand that there is a, a power grab going on and the government wants to control not just navigable waters of the United States, but also every stream and creek and pond and parking lot runoff and gutter in America. And so I start, there's a process issue involved because most people do understand the concept of democracy. So I start by saying who died and left them king? Who in the world decided that the EPA had the authority to regulate runoff from, from my driveway into the gutter out front? And, and therefore has the right to tell me what I can and can't do on my property in, in ways that have nothing to do with water. The answer is nobody gave them that authority. People never voted for that. Nobody ever decided, nobody's elected representatives ever decided that EPA um, should be able to determine whether you can build a house on your private property or not. And yet, in numerous places in this country, they have dictated and, and they find people millions of dollars for trying to build on a piece of property that they own because the EPA suggested that there there is occasionally water on this place. I mean, this sounds like such a it sounds like such a, a um, an exaggeration to say this, but they literally have fined people for that, uh, including a, a, ra- a rancher in in Wyoming. There's another case at the Supreme Court now involving a, fa- a family named Sackett um, from up in the Pacific Northwest, uh, who the EPA stopped from building a house on a piece of private property that's dry land because the EPA says there is occasionally water there, ephemeral water, as they call it, meaning it isn't wet all year long, but when when they have a big rainstorm, um, then the EPA says, well, now that's a wetlands, and water eventually from there is going to flow, you know, downstream, and eventually it will reach the Columbia River, and therefore waters of the United States includes these these people's fought. This case has been going on for 10 years. The Supreme Court has already ruled against the EPA once uh, on a procedural issue, but now the Supreme Court has heard the 
the actual substantive merits of the case. And this summer, they're going to rule on that. And they're going to rule that the EPA has overstepped its authority once again. Well, how how can we roll the EPA back? I, I, th- I mean, I know the answer. I think elections have consequences, and we need to start to roll back these bureaucracies. Is it possible? Uh, well, maybe it starts with elections, but in this particular case, I, I think the courts are going to roll it back again. It's, the, as, as I said before, federal courts have already ruled that, that this waters of the United States rule is an overreach and is beyond the authority of the EPA, and they're going to make that same ruling again. Uh, that's happened at, uh, um, at the appellate court level uh, twice already, and the U.S. Supreme Court will eventually have to get involved in this case, and there's no question that they will make that ruling. There's no other ruling they could make. The Clean Water Act clearly does not extend that level of authority to the agency, so at some well, point the courts are going to roll them back. Okay. Um, I'm talking with Greg Walter. The question, he, the question is between oh, now and then. Uh, I'm sorry. The question between now and then is how many more people are going to get fined millions of dollars and how many how many more outrageous stories like the Sackets will we have to endure? It's terrible. And I'm talking with Greg Walter. He is an expert in the natural resource arena, and he has this important book, Smoking the Mouth, The Theft of the Environment, and How to Take It Back. We'll continue the conversation, and we get to have these conversations because of uh, sponsors like Roots Medical. Hey, folks, Matthew Dark here with exciting news about COVID justice and how you can be involved in this critical moment in history. Colorado Healthcare Providers for Freedom, in conjunction with COVIDPenalty.com, is leading the way in protecting everyone's legal right to refuse an investigational new drug. There is no law that can force you to participate in medical research, and we need your help in bringing these lawsuits to fruition. To donate and view impending lawsuits, visit ColoradoMedicalFreedom.com. That's ColoradoMedicalFreedom.com. Inflation is rocking our boats, especially for individuals on fixed incomes. If you are 62 years or older, mortgage specialist with Polygon Financial Group, Lauren Levy, can help you navigate this inflation squeeze with a reverse mortgage. Additionally, if you are considering buying a new home, refinancing your existing home, or consolidating high interest debt, it's not too late to lock in an interest rate before interest rates increase again. Don't wait. Kim Munson recommends you call Lauren Levy today at 303-880-8881 for a no-cost consultation. That's Lauren Levy at 303-880-8881. It's more critical than ever to get the firearms training you must have to be confident in protecting yourself and your family. Learning from the expertly trained instructors at Franktown Firearms and Shooting Range, you will learn the skills necessary to be ready for anything you have to deal with. If you learned how to shoot by way of Granddad Taught Dad Taught Me, you may be missing critical elements of safety and proficiency training that can only be learned in the right environment with a knowledgeable and industry-leading instructor who can analyze and diagnose shooting mistakes, helping you prepare properly. At Franktown Firearms, they believe understanding how guns work Learning the fundamentals the right way and being confident in using a gun can mean the difference between life and death. When people leave Franktown classes, they feel empowered. They look forward to practicing and getting more training. Go to franktownfirearms.com and sign up for one of our training classes today. Franktown Firearms, where friends are made. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That is Kim Munson. 
M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly email newsletter, and you can email me at Kim at KimMunza.com as well. Thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. Something's a good idea. You should not have to force people to do it. And uh, would love to have you join us for a special event for with the USMC Memorial Foundation. And that is an evening with the ambassador. Uh, it is uh, with keynote speaker, Ambassador Harry B. Harris, uh, Admiral, United States Navy. And uh, I'll be emceeing that. That is April 29th at the Brown Palace Hotel. And it is to raise money for the uh, Marine Memorial Remodel out at Six and Colfax. And there will be an event that morning as well out at the Memorial. And I plan on attending that as well. Uh, but my friends, it's so important that we honor those, know the stories of those who have given their lives or been will- will- uh, willing to give their lives for our country and for our liberty. And so you can help them by going to usmcmemorialfoundation.org and get more information there. On the line with me is Greg Walcher. He is a natural resources expert and author of the book, Smoking Them Out, The Theft of the Environment and How to Take It Back. Uh, Greg Walcher, as we were uh, going into break, uh, you mentioned the millions of dollars of fines that people are going to have to pay. And then also the years where they're not able to use their property. It's it's a huge property rights um, overreach by the government on this. I was thinking about the, you said it's been 10 years on this particular case as it's working its way through the, the legislature, or excuse me, not the legislature, the, the courts. And I mean, they may, people may pass on before they're able to actually exercise their own property rights because of this overreaching, outrageous EPA. That has happened in a few other families around the country, too, where the next generation winds up in the same battle that that was begun against their parents. It's a sad situation, and to me it comes back to the the sort of big-picture question of whose who's decision these things ought to be. And I guess this raises kind of the big bigger-picture issue that, uh, that, that you often talk about on your show, which is that government decisions ought to be made at whatever level of government is closest to the people and closest to the decisions. In the case of the Sackett family we were talking about in, in uh, one particular spot in the state of Washington, somebody may, may say that that is not a place that ought to be developed or where people ought to build houses. I don't know that because I've never been there. I've never seen the place. Neither has has uh, the EPA bureaucrat in Washington who decided that. And so, to me, if somebody thinks that that's a place where development ought not to occur, we have lots of places like that in Colorado, the people who live there ought to decide that. And so maybe, maybe the people who live in that part of Washington don't want development uh, there. And I think that's a perfectly legitimate debate, but it has nothing to do with the environment and nothing to do with the EPA. So... Um, you know, who should make that decision? <clears throat> Clearly not some bureaucrat in Washington who's never been there and doesn't know whether development ought to happen there or whether that's what the public wants or not. They've just asserted themselves as sort of the uh, the arbiters of growth uh, all over the, the United States. And that that is not what the Clean Water Act is about. It's about pollution. Well, and so that then brings up this really interesting property rights question about people being able to, to do on their property – you know what they want and, and we've we've got this huge land use uh, Senate bill 213 that's going through the the legislature right now which i th- it seems like it's an overreach regarding single family zoning um people being able to do on their property what they want and so if an, if if other people say oh, we don't want development there but yet 
somebody owns that property, I, I, I mean, that's a big rub right there on property rights, Greg. It is, although I guess you could say that horse left the barn a long time ago. We have zoning in almost every county in, in Colorado and almost every city in America. But it's a but those are local decisions. It is a it is a situation where locally elected officials, that is accountable to the public, have made the decision that, that commercial development ought to happen here and residential development ought to happen there and no development ought to happen there. And then those people have to walk down Main Street the next day and face the voters. And so those are decisions that local people have input into. This is this is nothing like that. This is people in EPA who you've never heard of. You don't know their names. You, they don't have to stand for re-election, and they certainly don't have to walk down Main Street the next day. And yet they get to decide that no development ought to happen there uh, in a way that, that there's, there's simply nothing in the Constitution or the federal laws that gives them that kind of authority. And so that's the reason why courts continue to set this aside. Um, it's the reason, of course, we have we have rogue judges in America, so we've had rulings on both sides of this issue. But when it gets to the top levels of the courts, uh, clearly they're going to tell the EPA that this is an overreach, as they should. Well, and then that's why these appointed uh, appointed um, judges to these different courts, why that is so important, because you mentioned rogue judges. And I think that there's really been a movement for 30 or 40 years uh, to put um, more radical judges on on the bench. And I, I think that we didn't in some ways I didn't realize that was happening. I kind of kind of heard about it. But uh uh, so what do you think about the, the whole judicial system on this right now? I, I think you, it's, you seem positive that the right decision will be made ultimately. I'm, I'm very positive that that's going to happen, and partly just not just because of wishful thinking, but because I've seen the rulings that come out of these federal appellate courts and out of the U.S. Supreme Court in related matters, and there's no question in my mind which direction it's going to head. When the Sackett's uh, case was previously before the Supreme Court, there was a procedural issue involving whether or not they were allowed to sue. But the but the Supreme Court clearly was on the Sackett side in that situation and obviously felt like the EPA was, was overreaching, and that wasn't even the current Supreme Court. That was before the appointment of the last two justices oh. that President Trump appointed. So it was... I mean, the Ruth Bader Ginsburg even ruled against the EPA on this issue. So it's fairly clear to me that, that the courts will come out um, in, in, in looking at the law rather than at what EPA wants on this particular case anyway. But there are okay. judges. There are always going to be judges who want to insert their own their own political views and their own opinion. You know, judges are humans, and they have political opinions. And there are always going to be judges who will assert their opinion in, in, uh, in lieu of the law, but they'll get overturned at some point when cooler heads prevail. Okay, okay. We have just a couple of minutes left, uh, Greg Walcher, and I'd like you to just to give a quick description of your book because I think it is such an important book. And the title is Smoking the Mouth, The Theft of the Environment and How to Take It Back. Well, thank you. The general the thesis of it is that the environmental movement, which most people in this country care passionately about, as I do, um, has been stolen by this gigantic global worldwide industry of organizations whose agenda has very little to do with the environment. Uh, it's become more about money and power and control, as you said earlier. Um, but it, but beyond just it's sort of exposing the environmental industry for what it's become, and it is a massive industry, by the way, bigger than most of the commercial industries that they fight, a multi-billion dollar global conglomerate of groups. 
But beyond just exposing that, I wanted to give people better talking points, ways that they should discuss environmental issues in a way that will bring the conversation back to the environment, which is what it's supposed to be about. If we do that, if we do the right thing for the environment, as most people think we should, um, then it's a battle that we can win. Well, and I, I think it is so important that we are to be good stewards of our earth and, uh, and talking points to be able to talk with people about these important issues is so important. Uh, so this is a, a book that I would highly recommend that everyone have. I have it. And that again, it is smoking them out, the theft of the environment and how to take it back by Greg Walcher. That's W A L C H E R. Uh, Greg, uh, your final thought you'd like to leave with our listeners. This uh, issue of waters of the United States is it's really the same debate. If you're talking about endangered species or forest health or clean air or clean water or uh, climate change, any other environmental issue, uh, the answer to it is the same, and that is let's do the right thing for the environment. And in my mind, that smokes out people who have some other uh, agenda it, no, because nobody wants to admit that. Nobody wants to say out loud, you know, I didn't really care about the water. I just wanted to control growth in the state of Washington. Nobody wants to admit that kind of agenda. So we do what's right for the environment. That forces other people to follow, and that puts us in the lead where we ought to be. Thank you, Greg Walcher. Greatly appreciate it. And our quote for the end of the show is from Flannery O'Connor. She said, if we forget our past, we won't remember our future, and it will be as well because we won't have one. So my friends today, I know that's somber, but today be grateful, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, if honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. My friends, you are not alone. God bless you and God bless America. Stay tuned for hour number two. It's the Kim Munson Show, analyzing the most important story. That seems to me like government is establishing a religion. The latest in politics and world affairs. If you give people rights, women's rights, gay rights, whatever, there can't be equal rights if there's special rights. Today's current opinions and ideas. Surveys show that, that people still really prefer freedom versus force. Is it freedom or is it force? Let's have a conversation. Indeed. Let's have a conversation and welcome to the Kim Munson Show. Thank you so much for joining us. This is our number two. Uh, I greatly appreciate all of you. Thank you um, for listening. And uh, today, strive for excellence. Take care of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your body. My friends, we were made for this moment. Thank you to the team I work with. That's producer Steve, producer Luke, Zach, Patty, Keith, Charlie, Echo, all the people here at Crawford Broadcasting. Happy Tuesday, our number two to you, producer Steve. I'm listening. <laughs> Uh, text line has been busy. That's 720-605-0647, 720-605-0647. And, uh, we were talking with Greg Walcher in the past hour, and I think we're going to need to get him back on, uh, just a couple of things. I'll, I'll throw those out there. It says, could you please have him address the younger population who have gotten into every bit of this hook, line, and sinker? They believe in climate change. They think we're going to run out of water, oil, natural gas, and, out of water, oil, natural gas are cold and evil. Uh, how are we supposed to counter that? Since they won't listen to us because they trust their peers and not their elders, it's just reality. It's important that we not be naive about this. Um, boy, that's uh, <clears throat> I. That's a that's a. That's I love. I love the way he kind of summarized there just before uh, you know we got to the end of the hour. He said, "You know every." 
everybody wants clean air, clean water, and you know the, the, that's maybe the the ramrod that maybe pushes this thing through. But the, these people who are currently running these things, it, it's you know the, their agenda is is not that's not what it is. It's more 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 control, you know, more huge amounts of money. And uh, I just love the way he summarized that. Yeah, <clears throat> and I would highly recommend that uh, uh, we we all get this book and have those talking points because um, I remember he had made a presentation uh, regarding the polar bears, and I w- it was at a meeting I was at, and he said that um, uh, he, he was at a meeting, and he said, "So polar bears?" He says, "How many do you want?" And uh, he said, because we can certainly address this problem, how many polar bears do we need to increase the population by? Just tell us. And the environmentalists didn't have a number. Uh, They just wanted to continue to use the the issue of the polar bears. And we've talked with Patrick Moore about that as well, who uh, was one of the original founders of Greenpeace. He's, um, but he's believes now in, in oil and gas responsible, um, you know, affordable, efficient, abundant, and real, reliable energy. And he said, the polar bears are far away. There's no way we, we know what is actually happening with that. And so that is why they, they have these kind of manufactured crisis yeah. uh, that they can use. And, and I'm thinking this is like a, a climate change industrial complex. It's power and money. Once again, it's about the green in it is the green, and that is money. Um, but to that point, he says, I think we come to agreement. We do care about the environment. We all do. I mean, who wants to have dirty air? Who wants to have dirty water? Nobody does. But uh, they're using that narrative to just totally control us. And we need to, we do need to address this in conversations now, Steve, because they're going to really ramp this up. I'm concerned that they're going to use climate change for onerous things the way they used COVID to shut down people's livelihoods and, and, and the, this whole dream of, you know, your pursuit of happiness. So that's why we have to have these conversations. It's in a very inflammatory arena. And I, I'm, I'm glad you just brought that polar bear illustration to light. I've heard that one before. And you're right. You, you, all you have to do is say, well, you know, the, the numbers of polar, polar bears are a concern to us. Well, you didn't say what those numbers were. You won't talk facts. You'll just put that inflammatory stuff out there and let it lead the way. And that's why uh, it's important. And we'll get Greg back on to have some other conversations about this. But again, I recommend his book, Smoking the Mouth, The Theft of the Environment, and How to Take It Back. And I wanted to get over here to our quote for the day. And as I mentioned in the first hour, I'm not familiar with this particular um, author, and it's Mary Flannery O'Connor. She was an American novelist, short story writer, and essayist. And she wrote two novels and 31 short stories, as well as a number of reviews and commentaries. She was a Southern writer who often wrote in a sardonic Southern Gothic style and relied heavily on regional settings and grotesque characters, often in violent situations. So I'm sure that's probably why I never read her books, because I don't like to read that kind of stuff. But she was born in 1925, died in 1964. But this quote I thought was really important. So she had observed that the more education they got, the less they could do. Their father had gone to a one-room schoolhouse through the eighth grade, and he could do anything. And 
to that point, education, when I talk with so many of these different World War II veterans, and they talk about how important education is, but they came out of World War II, and they went through these classical liberal educations, uh, even through university, and they they were able to, to get jobs and careers, and, and that education really helped them. How many, how, how many uh, do we have maybe, I mean, highly educated people that find it difficult to do regular things. I mean, we need to have, I mean, run a household. Uh, I, I, I don't think that we're teaching our girls how to run households anymore because the feminist movement said that, oh, that was beneath us. How many, how many jobs have kids been told that was beneath them so they didn't learn how to do them so they can't do anything on that, Steve? I mean, I'm thinking just like regular things, like mowing the lawn. Do you remember just recently when Home Depot was giving adulting classes on how to do just regular things? Um, anyway, I thought that was a very appropriate quote, and I chose that because we're going to be talking with uh, Colonel Bill Rutledge here in just a moment regarding education, because our kids are falling behind in reading, writing, and arithmetic, and history, and critical thinking, uh, because valuable time during the school day is being is being uh, focused on other things and that is a whole agenda as well and that's a whole nother industrial complex actually i should probably call it the transgender activist transgender industrial complex because there's a lot of money and effort going into that as well producer steve who would have thought i mean as far as i know in my history it was eisenhower who coined the phrase military industrial complex and, okay, that makes sense when you understand what he was referring to. But the term now, industrial complex, can be pretty much tied to almost anything. Well, <clears throat> it can. Climate change, uh, homelessness, homelessness <laughs> affordable housing. Um, those are three that just jump out at me right now. And, again, as we're looking, we're looking at legislation it's about more and more control. And what is the opposite of, of, the, uh, of control? It's freedom. And Frederick Douglass said, I didn't know I was a slave until I couldn't do the things I wanted to do. And the trajectory that we are on uh, is one of, of, of less and less freedom. Uh, so with that, let's see here. Um, Let's go ahead and get get to get on get on with it here. And the the show comes to you because of great sponsors. And Roger Mangan is such a great sponsor of the Kim Munson Show, and uh, he can help you create your personalized insurance plans to cover all your needs, from protection for your cars, your home, condo, boat, motorcycle, business, and renters coverage. Make sure you have renters coverage. Someone I know recently had a fire in a condo that they were uh, um, renting. And they were very glad they had renter's insurance. And you can get that. Contact Roger Mangan at 303-795-8855 for a complimentary appointment. Like a good neighbor, Roger Mangan's team is there. Rosie's doing it. So is Yvonne. Same with Lori. Michelle's been at it since February of last year. Jody started the year before that. And guess what? They're all saving by doing so. What's that? Oh, the doing part? They're using the Drive Safe and Save app from State Farm. Then they're saving up to 30% and more on their auto insurance. How about you? Are you ready to get at it and save? Call Roger Mangan State Farm Insurance at 303-795-8855. Don't delay. Call Roger Mangan State Farm Insurance at 303-795-8855 today. 
Award-winning realtor Karen Levine has nearly 30 years of experience with REMAX Alliance. As a director with the National Association of Realtors, Karen Levine works to protect private property rights. Karen Levine believes in homeownership. Because of Karen's love of dogs, Karen volunteers regularly with GRRR, Golden Retriever Rescue of the Rockies, helping Golden Retrievers find their forever homes. Call Karen Levine to help you buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. Call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance today at 303-877-7516. That's 303-877-7516. You'd like to get in touch with one of the sponsors of The Kim Monson Show, but you can't remember their phone contact or website information. Find a full list of advertising partners on Kim's website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim, M-O-N-S-O-N, dot com. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly email newsletter. And you can email me at Kim at Kim Munson dot com as well. Thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do it. I'm very pleased to have on the line with me retired uh, United States Air Force Colonel Bill Rutledge, 94 years old and has traveled the world, has this uh, insatiable curiosity about life and about people and uh, just amazing life experiences. Uh, but wanted to talk with him about a recent uh, school board meeting that he attended to at the Poudre Valley School District because I thought it was very telling and um, wanted to just talk about that. So, Colonel Rutledge, welcome to the show. Well, good morning, Kim. Uh, as I read your email, uh, it, I had memories of when I was on city council of, uh, and I hadn't really thought about it until I had read your email about oh, different recognitions and presentations and everybody coming up to the dais and taking pictures and the fact that uh, the council members are on a dais looking down upon those that come up to make public comment. And your email was just, I thought, very telling. So uh, explain to our listeners your experience at this school board meeting. Well, first of all, I need to explain why I went to the school board meeting. Um, I was talking with someone uh, in Loudoun County, Virginia, uh, and their school board is kind of one that's had more more notoriety than any other in America. Uh, it's the case where the boy claimed he was a girl, and then he raped the girl in one school, and then they just transferred him to another school, <coughs> and the same thing happened there. So they are the number one on the target in America. But I told the lady when I was talking with her, I said, uh, our county in Colorado uh, is number two, because I said, we made Fox uh, television, and we made also a full feature article on the Epoch Times, which is the best national uh, publication in America. So I, I had concluded that finally I needed to do something. And I thought, well, I'll run for the school board. But before I do that, I better go to a school board meeting and find out a little bit more about it. So I went to the office and found out that it's very bureaucratic, very organized, and it's designed not for communications 
American citizens. It's designed um, for them to continue to take a dictatorial position. Like others that you talked about earlier this morning, federal agencies that uh, assume responsibility that's not really there. And so you get to the meeting, what happens? Well, first of all, to go to the meeting, you're supposed to sign up in advance on the computer. And then you, if, if you want to make any kind of a speech or if you want to even ask a question, uh, then you must go through a process of filling out forms and getting approval to do that. When, but they don't tell you when you will speak. Uh, you assume that you would have a chance to question members of the board on issues that are presented, but it's not done that way. It's just the opposite. It's really to preclude the citizens who come in from interfering at all or even asking uh, appropriate questions about what's being presented by the board. Uh, But anyhow, as I walked in, they gave me a number. This is a number. And I said, is this my seat number? And they said, no, this is your speech number. Well, I said, well, what does it mean? He said, it means that you will be called as the ninth lay speaker, um, and you will have three minutes in which you may um, present whatever your subject may be. Well, I had no idea of any subject. I just thought, well, if there are questions before the board, this will give me an opportunity to ask them for further clarification. Wrong. Because the sequence is different. You go in and you're seated, and as you say, the board is an elevated dais area where it looks like they're they're looking down upon all of the people. And um, one of the odd things, there were seven members of the board plus uh, the superintendent. And um, the person who was the presiding officer had his face completely masked, so you couldn't hardly hear what he was saying. Um, you didn't even know who he, what he looked like. He did have a nameplate up there, so you could at least identify him by name. So this is the environment you walk into. Then you sit down, and uh, they'll say, okay, we're all going to stand up and do the Pledge of Allegiance. Well, that was one of the few things that seemed to make sense. So we did. <laughs> we did that, and then we sat down, and we went through then a sequence of the board recognizing individual students or individual groups who had accomplished things um, that affected the school district within recent weeks or months. And uh, one of the first things they did was they brought two children in who were from uh, Arab backgrounds, and uh, they had written scripts that they read. And then the whole school board got down from the dais, walked over there and stood behind them to have a group picture taken. And even right then, I kept feeling, well, these children could have been recognized in their own schools um, because there are not that many uh, Arab-American children in this school district, uh, and they would probably have felt much more comfortable. But I think a lot of this is a status situation um, where the board can say, oh, well, we're we're very cognizant of all of these minorities, and therefore we're going to represent them. So anyhow, they were there, and uh, they were recognized. Then the second group came up, and this was a large group. 
oh, maybe 10 or 12. And they had, they were representatives of the community that had opened up their their job opportunities or things. It's sort of like an on-the-job training opportunity or like in the old tech schools where somebody could go and get credit by working downtown with some organization. Um, and this was done. And again, we had the old movement where everybody who goes over and stands against the wall and have their picture taken with these people. And these were not the students that had gone and worked there. These were the sponsors who had invited the students over to work in their environment. Then the third group that came up, and this one, I shouldn't say a group, the third event was a, gen, a young man who was in elementary school who was a very good person in the spelling bee competition, and he'd done well. And his parents were there with him. He was a third grader, and uh, he their having the recognition was fine. Um, and one of the interesting things is both of his parents were from India, and this has been the pattern for the last 20 years at the national level. Almost all of the winners at the national level are from India. Well, or they might be from some other uh, oriental country where there's a strong family motivation for education, and uh, they have just succeeded. So we went through this procedure. So then I thought, okay, now we're going to get to agenda items that we can listen to and we can listen to discussions, and then we might have an opportunity to ask them since we've got I have this little tickets with a number nine on it. Uh, wrong again. No, they want the people who are going to speak to speak before anything is discussed as far as the agenda or the work of the board. So then we had a sequence in which we had mostly individuals who were standing up and speaking that they were being abused or their special interests were being abused. But the most striking of them all was a second speaker. And the second speaker came, and he was dressed as a Roman Catholic priest. That's what, and he was in his late 20s or early 30s. So I thought, this is fine. He's going to talk something about the church. No, wrong again. <laughs> he, uh, he got up and he says, <clears throat> I'm so-and-so, I'm the, um, the pastor of the Christian church out on certain street, and my husband and I, this is a male who's doing this, he has on the Roman habit and the Roman collar, and he, he states, my husband and I have found that so many minority groups, especially the LGBTQT, XYZ group, um, were being not, uh, we thought, thought they were being abused, and they were having difficulties. And he said, we've noted that a lot of the young people who are trans um, have a ten tendency towards um, maybe suicide. They have a lot of difficulties, a lot of problems. And right then I thought, well, he doesn't seem to know anything about what the, sh the school shutdowns did in Colorado, because in 2020, in the northeastern area of Colorado, um, up near that corner with Nebraska, the young man came and spoke 
over one of the local radio stations. And he said he'd gone and he'd written the governor and explained that within a two-month period, five young high school men, boys, had committed suicide during the close down. And, of course, this happened in other places around the state. And it wasn't just local to Colorado, but it was it was reality for us. And I had written a letter to the governor and other people at that era, at that particular time, uh, designating the fact that this is what's happening. This, this is a part of the closure where people are isolated and they are not able to have a sociability that's a part of their custom. And um, so this, these are the things that happen. So this, then after this, then one person came up who was in a trans situation and she was going through changes and she was a teenage girl. And uh, then this was followed by another student who came up with some individual personal problems, and he was implying that he was being bullied. Well, there was a whole series of this one-on-one situation. I've got a problem, you got a problem, so forth. So it finally got so, to me, and they said... Colonel okay, Rutledge, let's, let's, keep, let's keep that as a cliffhanger there. I'm talking okay. with um, uh, retired United States Air Force Colonel Bill Rutledge, 94 years old, a lifetime of amazing experiences, uh, curious about... Uh, people and their lives and, and just this, uh, great, um, you know, just great curiosity. And, um, he, he was considering running for school board. So he went to the Poudre Valley School, uh, district board meeting and we're hearing about this whole experience and we'll continue that conversation. But we get to do this because of great sponsors. And a new sponsor is Johnny Stubbs, uh, heating and air conditioning services. And give them a call at 720-782-2888 and let them know that, uh, you heard about them on, uh, the Kim Munson show. That's 720 720- Seven eight two two eight eight eight, and the first fifty people that call will uh, and um, schedule their uh, check for their air conditioning. They will get this really neat uh, little gift bag, and it's got a great uh, travel co- uh, coffee mug in there. So be sure and check that out. That's seven two zero seven eight two two eight eight eight, and that is Johnny Stubbs, a great new sponsor of the show. It's Colorado. We want warm homes in the winter and cool, comfortable homes in the summer. Johnny Stubbs Services is the heating and air conditioning company to call to ensure that your heating and cooling systems run efficiently and last for years. Johnny Stubbs Services' team of experts provide proper guidance to help you make informed decisions about your heating and cooling needs. Johnny Stubbs Services is prompt, reliable, and stands behind their work with a satisfaction guarantee. Kim Munson highly recommends Johnny Stubb Services for all your heating and cooling needs. Pain can be exhausting and frustrating, and Kim was recently experiencing hip pain from life's wear and tear. Dr. Craig Stimson with Advantage Wellness Center was able to help. For over 35 years, Dr. Craig Stimson has been helping individuals and their entire families with non-surgical and drugless treatments to address sports injuries, back and neck pain, headaches, joint pain, and auto accident injuries. Call Dr. Craig at 303-691-1771 today for your appointment. Dr. Craig Stimson, he can help you too. That number is 303-691-1771. 
Stay up to date on issues in public health and science by signing up and reading Dr. James Lyons-Weiler's latest articles at Popular Rationalism on Substack. Find more information about Popular Rationalism at KimMunson.com. All of Kim's sponsors are an inclusive partnership with Kim and are not affiliated with or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the Kim Munson Show and grow your business, contact Kim at her website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly email newsletter. You can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. Thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you shouldn't have to force people to do it. That uh, beautiful music that you're hearing is from uh, the jazz band, Dot Cero. Uh, and I actually know the um, founder of Dot Cero, Steve Watts, great music and said, hey, I'd like to use some of your music for some of our bumper music and um, got permission to do that and just love having that. I did want to mention the Center for American Values uh, located in Pueblo, Colorado. It is a non-political organization formed in 2010 for charitable and educational purposes. And the center's founders, Brad Padula and Medal of Honor recipient Drew Dix, identified the need for a national initiative to recognize and preserve the values of our great country that our country was founded on, and that is honor, integrity, and patriotism. And the center's objectives and programs emphasize character education, leadership development, educational training seminars, executive study groups, ceremonial activities, educational outreach programs and public tours and they are open seven days a week i would recommend that you get down to the center for american values you can find their website at americanvaluescenter.org that's americanvaluescenter.org we are on uh, on the line with me is retired united states air force colonel bill rutledge and uh colonel rutledge you went to the pooter valley school district meeting because you were kicking around the idea of maybe running for school board and you're talking about this this whole meeting, and it was just bringing back memories of when I, <laughs> I was on city council. I recognized so many things, and I actually think there's strategy to all of that. But when we went to break, you said that they had finally gotten to you, number nine. You were going to have three minutes to speak. So what happened? Well, one of the ironies, um, it was now, we started our meeting at 630 sharp. It was now 715. We'd been there 45 minutes, and there was nothing discussed about education or the schools um, that really I had expected. So I got up, and I just, by this time, I'd been listening to all these sad stories um, or things which had been planned Who, when they selected people to come and speak. Um, so I told them, I said, I had not planned to speak anything. I was just going to identify my and how I was interested in the school board. I wanted to learn how the school board was operating. But I said, I've listened to all these others that had preceded me, one through eight. Um, And now I said, not one person has spoken for the mothers and fathers and the children. They haven't spoken for over 95% of the people who are in the school district. So I said... I think I'm going to have to talk a little bit about that. And I said, uh, one thing it's very important for you to recognize is that uh, 
you're hiring your teachers, your administrators for their particular skills. But I said, mostly we're concerned with teachers. And I said, teachers are hired because of their academic discipline. Are they a history teacher? Are they an English teacher? Do they teach foreign languages? What do they do? And I said, this is their skill, and this is what they're there to do. And I said, I'm a big believer in teaching the traditional three R's. You need to communicate. You need to learn to read, write, and do arithmetic. But above all, the young children, especially K through 12, K through 4, they need to learn how to communicate verbally and in writing. And so I talked about that, and I said, however, these teachers are not sociologists, they're not psychologists, they're not nurses, they're not qualified to be addressing subjects which are irrelevant, um, things which are private and which are family problems or family opportunities, um, but it's not the role of the teachers or anyone in the school to be intervening between parents and children. And I mentioned to them, I said, if the teacher really is looking for for success or a sense of satisfaction, they need to look at what happens to the children after they're in their grade or under their supervision as a teacher. And I said, I know. I said, I taught for over nine years in the classroom. And I said, the key to me in satisfaction was what's the success of my students? And I said, I had many students that I've followed for years, and there have been so many of them who've been highly successful in their careers. And I said, I don't relate that any way feel that they're successful just because I had them as a student, but I feel that I may have contributed somewhat to their success, and I hope so, and I'm proud of what they've done. So I said, it's not to remake children and not to do things that interpose between the children and their parents. Your job is to teach these children what they need to know to go out and be successful in life and not doing things which might be detrimental to their success. So, so ends number nine, and I didn't even speak three minutes. What was the reaction, Colonel Rutledge? It was, it was very quiet. Now, some of the other people who appreciated me with a particular theme, such as uh, a trans this or a trans that, or some other specific item which is um, being pushed at the moment, oh, they would get a little applause from the people that brought with them. Uh, I think what I was talking was a straight line, and really speaking for the people who weren't there. Um, So it was it was rather quiet, and that's fine. So what did you decide about running for school board? Well, first of all, I decided this meeting was very bizarre because now we had spent almost an hour, and we never had gotten anything uh, that I thought a school board would be considering. So I, I, did, I would tell my opinion overall as to whether I was going to be applied to be a member, until the next presentation. Well, they had a person who works on curriculum, and he was supposed to brief people. So he had beautiful big slides, and he had screens in three different places around the room. And the first slide was very good. 
It was great. And um, however, he had about eight to ten more slides to explain what was on the first slide. And yet, this was supposed to be a briefing to the board about what he was proposing. And what it was, it turned out also that this was a, a curriculum which was to be sort of all-encompassing, like K through 12. I didn't realize it initially, but that's how it evolved. And I kept questioning, why are we hiring uh, outside sources and paying thousands? hundreds of thousands sometimes for people who are not even a part of our community or our state to prepare curriculums that are going to have a bearing on all of our children. And uh, immediately I felt this is wrong. And again, it's a matter of central control um, all the way to the Washington and Department of Education. And Department of Education each year gives out billions of dollars discretionary grants to various school districts to promote special agenda items that they favor and therefore you have to follow the dollar and it is it comes all the way down to the school district level and after this is that and, and the, the whole gist of the meeting uh, they they convene they they said, well, we're going to have a break for about 10 minutes, and then we're going to come back. Well, we'd already been there for over 10, two hours, and most of the people had left, except I was one of the few still sitting there. But I was also so uh, unhappy with what they were doing and the fact that not one person in the audience was given an a single question about any item that was discussed with the board. Furthermore, they didn't discuss much of anything because they'd obviously already made Because every time they took a vote, it was seven and five. I'm sorry. Else. You cut out just a little bit. So every time they took a vote, it was unanimous. Is that right? Yes, every time. Every time. And there was no discussion, really? No there discussion was no back and forth? Floor. No discussion. And they had even talked. The floor. Uh, so the whole uh, thing was structured to preclude the involvement of the community. And what you're describing, Colonel Rutledge, is happening in school board meetings and city council meetings and county commissioner meetings across the country. And this it didn't happen by accident. This is, I think... Uh, I, I think that this is actually over time it has made it more and more difficult for transparency and for uh, citizens to actually have a dialogue. Next question then, Colonel Rutledge, did any of the school board members uh, reach out to you? Because another thing that, at least at city council, that I always thought was daunting, it was almost like it was a criminal. When the uh, um, citizen came up to speak, they were supposed to state their name and their address, which I thought that was a little bit kind of like doxing, like outing people. Uh, why do you have to give your address uh, in in a public meeting like that? And so I think this is actually somewhat of a strategy. And if you don't understand the strategy or don't have courage, uh, I mean, it can be actually kind of scary and kind of daunting. Now, somebody like you who's traveled the world and you, you, you so many life experiences, it was was probably not daunting, but you could recognize what was going on, Colonel Rutledge. Uh, 
Well, they had already gathered that information before they gave you the number. Uh, you had to have done this two days before the meeting. You had to give your name, uh, your home address, and there was one or two other items. I can't recall. But those were critical things that you must do before they would ever let you into the meeting. Um, or I shouldn't say that, before they would let you come in and make any kind of a presentation. So it was, everything was controlled. It was all systematic. But it was designed... Uh, structurally, so that there was no opportunity for a lay person to ask a question about why was the school district doing this or that. Um, it wasn't. It was all structured entirely to prevent that. And I, 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 I thought, yeah. I don't want any part of this. I don't want to be a member of this. Yes, because it is. It's a. It, it is. Um it is kind of a, it's a circus i i was thinking about a a um, meeting there was a special meeting this was during covid uh and i'd i'd been on city council so i knew these people and the the current mayor and so there was a zoom meeting and uh i had signed up for public comments again zoom meeting if you can believe that you can because we all went through COVID. And um, I started asking questions and the mayor, I was asking hard hitting questions of the mayor and she was responding back. And then finally she's like, Oh, this is not, this is not supposed to be a dialogue, you know, and uh, you, you're, you're just supposed to make uh, comments because they didn't want to be engaged with the public on, on these hard, hard questions. So this is all by design. Uh, Colonel Rutledge, first of all, I think that this is fascinating. How would you like to button this up for our listeners of this experience that you had? Well, really, I would encourage parents to go to the board meeting. Um, the reason I would encourage them is if we can get more parents to go there, maybe there can be enough presence and pressure to try to uh, impact upon something about their structure. And when they co- if they want to speak... Speak, but say, look, uh, we would like for the board to be more open. We would like to be able to hear discussion on the issues that are going to affect our children. So I, I think parents need to go. Uh, I don't say they need to go more than once, but they need to at least see what the structure is like and then perhaps use their own um, judgment later as to whether they want to sustain uh, being a part of the school structure. Um, I did learn a little bit more about the, 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 the fact that there were uh, these charter schools that are under the big umbrella of the school district, and the charter schools have more autonomy. And they, they really are more like a traditional school that I grew up in, uh, in perhaps um, a couple of other generations below me. Um, so the charter schools, I think, are doing a commendable job. And when they did the evaluations last year on the various progresses in communications and various other disciplines, the, the charter schools did well. Um, many of them actually were better than they had been before. Um, but the public schools, and almost across the board, were down. Oh, so that it's, we need to, when I talk about standing for children, we cannot be spending, and to your point, these outside interest groups are being paid uh, to push specific agendas. And um, 
So as as Kane says, uh, after that experience, many people should consider getting their kids out of these uh, government-run schools. So Colonel Bill Rutledge, I'm just so grateful that our paths have met and because my life is... My life is richer because of the the conversations that we have, and I know that our listeners' um, lives are richer as well. I so appreciate you sharing this with us today. Well, thanks, Kim. It's always nice to have a chance to talk and um, to get hopefully get some feedback from the public. Well, and I appreciate you for caring uh, for our children. So that's a retired United States Air Force, 94-year-old Colonel Bill Rutledge. Uh, Thank you so much, Colonel Rutledge. Good morning. Okay. And these conversations come to you because of great sponsors like Lauren Levy. Inflation is rocking our boats, especially for individuals on fixed incomes. If you are 62 years or older, mortgage specialist with Polygon Financial Group, Lauren Levy, can help you navigate this inflation squeeze with a reverse mortgage. Additionally, if you are considering buying a new home, refinancing your existing home, or consolidating high interest debt, it's not too late to lock in an interest rate before interest rates increase again. Don't wait. Kim Munson recommends you call Lauren Levy today at 303-880-8881 for a no-cost consultation. That's Lauren Levy at 303-880-8881. Hey folks, Matthew Dark here with exciting news about COVID justice and how you can be involved in this critical moment in history. Colorado Healthcare Providers for Freedom in conjunction with COVIDPenalty.com is leading the way in protecting everyone's legal right to refuse an investigational new drug. There is no law that can force you to participate in medical research and we need your help in bringing these lawsuits to fruition. To donate and view impending lawsuits, visit ColoradoMedicalFreedom.com. That's ColoradoMedicalFreedom.com. It's more critical than ever to get the firearms training you must have to be confident in protecting yourself and your family. Learning from the expertly trained instructors at Franktown Firearms and Shooting Range, you will learn the skills necessary to be ready for anything you have to deal with. If you learned how to shoot by way of Granddad Taught Dad Taught Me, you may be missing critical elements of safety and proficiency training that can only be learned in the right environment with a knowledgeable and industry-leading instructor who can analyze and diagnose shooting mistakes, helping you prepare properly. At Franktown Firearms, they believe understanding how guns work Learning the fundamentals the right way and being confident in using a gun can mean the difference between life and death. When people leave Franktown classes, they feel empowered. They look forward to practicing and getting more training. Go to franktownfirearms.com and sign up for one of our training classes today. Franktown Firearms, where friends are made. Welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly email newsletter. And you can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. Uh, Text line is 720-605-0647, 720-605-0647. And uh, call in line is 303-477-5600, 303-477-5600. I'll start to go through some of these texts. It says, I agree, the three R's need to be a priority. It says, my parents were in the military, so we moved around. The first school I remember ever going to was kindergarten in Germany. And in kindergarten, they did teach us the reading and writing stuff that uh, Colonel uh, Colonel Rutledge is talking about. And then by second grade, we were in Texas. Other kids in my class were still learning to read, and I was already reading. My experience was that American schools just don't compare to foreign schools. 
Um, and it doesn't have to be that way. And uh, another one says, I work with a lot of high school kids and uh, ask what their plans are. And a lot of them are choosing the trades. Love that. Uh, let's see here. Um, says <laughs> another uh, says, great guest, Colonel Rutledge. Two hours goes by fast. <laughs> Might be time to push it to three. I don't think so, Steve. We're going to just pack everything we can into two hours. I think three would put me over the, the edge on that, Steve. Yeah, there would probably be medication required. Mm. (laughs) And I say that because we work so diligently. When we went from one hour to two hours, it wasn't just double the amount of work. It was more. And and we work really hard to find these great guests and subject selection. And and so maybe at some point in time we'll consider that. But I take that as such a compliment. Thank you. I greatly appreciate that. Uh, Next one here. My dad left school in the sixth grade and he went to work at a machine shop he joined the navy and married my mom and moved to colorado and started his own machine shop uh, started buying land and lived a good life till he passed on at 93 a lot of his tool making was used on countless space shuttles and satellites he finally got his high school diploma when he was 40 what an amazing story that is um then regarding Greg Walcher in the first hour regarding the environment, uh, this is another question here. And let me just make sure I'm watching uh, time on this. Uh, and that is, um, why don't we spend our energy helping other countries who do have huge pollution problems rather than destroying our country? We are in much better shape than we were 50 years ago in this country. Uh, China and Russia are creating enormous pollution for the world. This is not about pollution, my friends. This is about control. And unfortunately, you nailed it there as well, destroying our country. We have Rosemary in Wellington. What's on your radar? Kim, um, what Ms. Colonel Rutledge experienced was the Delphi technique, and everybody needs to go look this up, the Delphi technique. It goes along with their little consensus in their visioning uh, program where they make you feel like you have input, but they make it where they spin the questions to elicit the responses they want. And um, I come up with a new acronym for Pooter School District: Pedophiles, Sodomites, and Deviants. That's what they want to teach. And all of this stuff is coming down from the UN. So people go look up the Delphi technique, and all of this is to uh, move our um, voice and our government farther away from the people. That is so interesting, Rosemary, that you would bring that up because I couldn't put my finger on what was happening. Uh, and then I recognized it. So I'm going to tell you a, a little, um, uh, let's see. This was, uh, this was a, a meeting that, uh, there had been invitations sent out to a variety of people here in the metro area. Actually, they did this all over the state. And the invitation was very flattering. It says, you are a uh, a leader in the community, and we would like to hear what you have to say about this particular issue. And uh, 
Rosemary, uh, I have a number of women's groups that meet across the state. And so this was with my particular group. We decided that we were going to show up. And I knew that they were going to use the Delphi technique. And what that is, is they have one person at the table that will control the conversation. They'll act like they're getting input, but they're controlling the conversation. And when when we come in, they would divide everybody up. And I said, now, don't act like you know each other, because if you do, they'll they'll recognize that. And this truly is a strategy. And this was actually from a Republican kind of event. And um, so I was sitting at the table. I knew the Delphi technique. I continued to challenge the person that was supposed to handle the, um, the, the way the conversation was supposed to go. So we should probably do a show on that, Rosemary. I appreciate you bringing that up. Thank you. Uh, Johnny in Denver, what's on your radar? I was listening to last night, and they were talking about uh, um, school board transparency. And so they're going to have a committee to work on that, and the report won't be out until later June. I'm not. I'm kind of figuring out like, why isn't it out now? Concerning what's happening in the schools with the with the violence and everything, and why did they have to wait until after the school is over in June? Good point, Johnny. Very good point. And again, transparency. I was talking with uh, a friend of mine yesterday regarding this violence in the schools, and we had. Um, Yvonne Paez on last week, she was just after the whole Nashville thing. She said, it doesn't have to be this way. Uh, we need to, first of all, we should not have a sign out in front of schools that says gun free zone. That's, that's just an invitation for bad guys. And I, I agree having SROs in the schools. I think that's a great idea. School resource officers, but a bad guy is going to take that school resource officer out first. And so I really think we should also allow staff, teachers, administrators who want to be trained to carry firearms to be there so that they can protect children in schools as well. When when a bad guy comes in or a bad girl comes in, uh, what, you're going to throw a trash can at them? But I think a bad person is going to think twice if they're not sure whether or not that that there's firearms in those schools protecting those children. Because how many different stories have we heard of administrators and teachers uh, you know, standing in line in front of kids to protect them. And we need to make sure that we give them the tools to protect these children. So, and again, transparency, Johnny, to your point, transparency is so, so important. Hey, I so appreciate all of you so much. And remember this, you are each wonderfully made. You are an individual and you're wonderfully made. And this is a kind of a chilling quote by Flannery O'Connor, but it's important to hear this. She said, if we forget our past, we won't remember our future and it will be as well because we won't have one so that's why knowing our history is so important so my friends today be grateful read great books think uh, good thoughts listen to beautiful music communicate and listen well if honestly and authentically strive for high ideals and like superman stand for truth justice and the american way my friends you are not alone god bless you and god bless america 